Anjali Bansal is the founding partner of Avana Capital, which manages Avana Climate and Sustainability Fund, investing in technology and innovation-led startups, catalyzing climate solutions and sustainability, and delivering exponential results. Previously, Anjali has been the non-executive chairperson of Dina Bank, appointed by the Government of India to steer the resolution of the stressed bank, eventually leading to a merger with the Bank of Baroda. Prior to that, Anjali was also a global partner and MD with TPG Group PE, responsible for India, Southeast Asia, Africa and the Middle East. She started her career as a strategist consultant with McKinsey & Co. in New York. Anjali has invested in and mentored various successful startups, including Delivery, Urban Company, Draw-in-Box, Nika and Lenskart. She also serves as an independent non-executive director on several leading boards, including Tata Bar, Nestle, Piramal Enterprises. She's been inducted on the board of ONDC, the world's first open access infrastructure for digital commerce and gift city, and chairs the Climate Council with Indian Venture Capital Association. Anjali is also the member of Niti Aayog Evolution Review Committee, India's premier policy think tank, chaired by the Honorable Prime Minister and Expert Advisory Committee for the Startup India Seed Fund Scheme. Anjali has previously chaired the India Board of Women's World Banking, a leading global livelihood-promoting institution, and been a board member at GSK Pharma, Siemens, Bata and Delivery. She has served as a president of the Bombay Chambers of Commerce and has co-founded and chaired the Fiki Center for Corporate Governance Program for Women on Corporate Boards. She's a member of the Young Presidents Organization and a charter member of Thai. She's been listed as one of the most powerful women in India business by India's leading publications, Business Today, Fortune India and Forbes India. Hi Anjali, a very, very warm welcome to Elda's podcast series. I'm so excited to have you on this conversation. Welcome again. I know you've just stepped out of a board meeting, but this is how we wanted to sort of catch you and, you know, get all the insights we can. Swati, delighted to be here with you, with Elda and the Elda community. Anjali, I keep talking to people about how Elda is not just about focusing on midlife and menopausal women, but the people who support this journey are also people who strongly believe about, you know, the empowerment of women during this phase. So uh, you're a special guest, not just because you're Anjali Bansal, but you're also special because you've been an immense support and a big part of the journey at Elda for us. So thanks again. I start my podcast generally by asking this very interesting question. So I'm going to trouble you with the same question. Um, you've been an inspiration to me and many, many women like me. We've seen your journey from being an intern at ISRO to being a consultant at McKinsey and now a founding partner of India's leading, uh, you know, venture capitalist firm focused on uh, sustainability and climate change. This journey for me has been very, very inspiring. But I want to ask you if there was one defining moment in your life that really sort of changed the young Anjali into the Anjali that we see today, what would that be? First of all, I'm a big fan of what you are doing at Elda and what Elda is doing, period. I still remember when we first met and I asked you, what does mm. Elda mean? And you said it means a warrior woman right. in the Norse, old Norse language. And I was so impressed and, and, and it's so inspired. I wish I could tell you there was one defining moment in that journey from the young, starry-eyed and pun intended, <laughs> starry-eyed intern at ISRO who wanted to go work in space at NASA one day or something like that. Uh, having grown up on a very 
heavy diet of Star Wars and Star Trek and uh, Isaac Asimov <laughs> and Carl Sagan. But starting from there to where I am now today, I wish there was one defining moment, but there have been so many different milestones, turning points, opportunities um, in this fairly longest journey of uh, going from that young starry-eyed intern to I feel I'm still on the journey. I still have at least another 20 years ahead, I hope, sure. of being able to do good work, keep learning, staying agile, and contributing back. Wow. No, I think um, you have many, many years ahead of even inspiring people like us, Anjali. But what's been very interesting for me is that I've seen you as, um, you know, as someone who's very strategic in her approach, very bold in terms of expressing how you feel. And uh, at the same time, very empathetic towards everything and every person that you interact with. How do you bring out that balance? And I think as women, it's very important for us to be firm yet sort of, you know, uh, bring forth our point. So any tips on that for the women that are listening into this? <laughs> sure, and I hope it's not just men. women, but also men who are listening. I think uh, empathy is such a required, important uh, trait and element of any kind of leadership. And frankly, today, leadership is not about just leading. It's not about who's at the right. top. But leadership is very much around leading a community and leading from the front. And in some cases, really servant leadership. Yeah. Um, and I do believe that regardless of, uh, and you know, yeah, we are a technology-focused investor. So regardless of technology, it is actually the people who make it work. It's people who first make the technology. Even if you look at AI and generative right. AI, who's training the AI? It is data models that are based on human right. behavior. It's the programmers who are starting to write the code. They are people themselves. They come from a context from a human context. So regardless of technology and capital and so on, ultimately it is people that right. matter. And people make it successful. People are the ones that hurt, that win, that lose, uh, and that drive the world forward, right. uh, along with technology and capital, of course. Uh, as for, uh, I guess, being, I would not <laughs> say bold, I would just say right. forthcoming <laughs> in one's <laughs> opinions. <laughs> And sometimes being contrary to what is uh, perhaps mm. conventional. Uh, but conventional is also what we as a society make it. And then what is society? It's a collection of people That's like right. us. So when some of us start making a difference, it's Swati, for example, what you do. I'm inspired by what you do. You've taken a subject that is not necessarily mainstream, mm. um, still somewhat taboo in our society, and that's your life mission. That's what you have chosen. You could have done any number of things. And that's what you have chosen as a life that's mission. That's right. And, and Anjali, I remember that conversation that we had, you know, I think maybe a year and a half ago, when we were talking about really, uh, you know, naming it and then hence nailing the issue, right? I think I've also taken that up as a life philosophy after that, which is unless you're able to really come out and speak openly about certain things, you know, how do you basically solve for that problem? Mm -hmm. So that brings me to this point of, um, you know, we've seen your journey from uh, being an employee to an employer and then probably enabling, you know, thousands and uh, millions of people around to make a change. Um, what were the obstacles that you faced or rather what were the opportunities that you sought in this journey and uh, tips for men and women alike, but primarily for people who are probably in their midlifes uh, looking at making that one change, right. you know, any tips, any counsel there? So. I think first and foremost is every open door is an opportunity. And as a colleague of mine used to say, 
you will miss you will score zero on every shot you don't take <laughs> nice so take the shot but of course don't take right. every shot and that's where being selective and strategic right. comes up um if i look back and you did ask me to look back and reflect a little bit starting as an engineer who really wanted to work in science and technology and then going from there studying public policy and finance i went to the us uh, found new york to be just an incredibly vibrant rich place in terms of experiences mm-hmm. and learning uh, i was very fortunate in my first business role i joined mckinsey and company and i'm absolutely blessed to have had a set of mentors and bosses and seniors and, and an amazing mm. peer group that was not just enabling but actually quite supportive and very encouraging uh of and 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 supporting your being fearless being curious exploring uh mckinsey used to have something called make your own mckinsey so <laughs> you know if you want to do something truly different and so on somebody would say okay go out and do it and tell yeah. us how to do it and so that experience was terrific uh fairly in that sense gender blind when you were in the room it didn't matter whether you're a male or female or some other gender and of course it's not only really binary uh, and at that time it was the may the best idea win do good work for clients uh, phenomenal peer groups a great bonding some of my closest friends are still my associate class at mckinsey yeah. so to speak um uh, and so coming from there and then coming back to india in some ways that i think that was one of the most um, one of the more defining points sure. in the journey the dis, uh, decision to move back mm-hmm. to india in 2000 when india was not quite shining it was still early days and saying no this is where i feel i can make the most difference and um it, my husband and i both said this is where we will make our karma bhumi wow this is the janma bhumi but janma bhumi is not by choice your karma bhumi is by choice so choosing where you're going to exercise your karma um and make a difference and we decided to come back to india where we felt that everything we did would have a disproportionate impact and more gearing and all of that has really played out over the last 22 23 years for us um being involved in a variety of things joining the board of women's world banking which was my big exposure to microfinance and helping poor women first gain access to yeah. credit and through that get massive empowerment both economic as well as social and political empowerment working very closely with ila benbhart uh, who is one of my life heroes if you will and the amazing selfless work that she has done in that community forming that sisterhood of friends uh, jai shri vyasat seva mirai chatterjee at bimo seva rima nanavati again at seva continuing to do that work serving phenomenal clients while at mckinsey tata group mahindra group and some iconic leaders of our generation learning yeah. from them and then through that journey being entrepreneurial joining a few boards working with phenomenal again chairman like mr vagol and deepak parekh and later on uday kota and chandra and mr ramadurai all of whom have built not just businesses that are su- mm. successful but also very responsible absolutely and creating enormous system value so shareholder value stakeholder value and system value then continuing further down that stream on doing some work in policy uh getting involved with niti aayog uh doing with work with women's empowerment and women's entrepreneurship more importantly um being chairman of a very stressed public sector <laughs> bank and then working closely in a difficult situation with many disparate stakeholders with different objectives right. and bringing it all to a convergence 
driving the consolidation, uh, the merger with Bank of Baroda, Vijaya Bank, Dena Bank, and working closely with the government and really finding that there are some excellent people in government, in business, in society who actually want to do the right thing. And then, of course, over the last many years, I have been an active investor both in the very early stage. Uh, I find that I, I love working with entrepreneurs. Um, yeah, I'm always inspired. I'm always learning and always humbled by what fearless founders are able to do. Yeah. So I'm fortunate and privileged to work with people like you. No, Anjali, I remember the first time I spoke to you about Elda and I told you that, uh, you know, I want you to be a partner in this journey. And you told me that, you know, we're just co-pilots. The founders are the pilots and, you know, you basically uh, steer and shape the company. And till date, I believe all the counsel that you've given Elda, you know, as uh, as one of our investor partners and also as a mentor, I personally look up to you for many, many things. Um, the direction has been very clear, like you said, be fearless Fearless, a fearless optimist, if I may. So I think it's not just for me, but all the founders, you know, whom you've supported. And um, you've supported them individually as an angel investor. Avana sort of supports a number of interesting and really impactful, uh, you know, startups. Where did that, you've always sort of invested your time and money, I think, in uh, companies that look at a social impact or an impact. But where did that interest of starting Avana, you know, come up from and now you're probably the leading uh, VC firm that's looking at uh, climate and sustainability. What was the transition like? And uh, what is the most, uh, if I may, satisfying, you know, thing that comes out when uh, when you go to bed every night? So it's been a, it's been a journey and um, an evolution, but it starts from some very core tenets that I believe in. Um, one is that business has a responsibility to generate value and business has a responsibility to be responsible. Yeah. So value creation, particularly in economies and developing societies like ours, uh, when you build successful businesses and scale them, they create jobs, they create livelihood. But as I mentioned, all my all the people I admire are folks who have built very mm. successful, but also very well governed, very responsible right. businesses. So there has to be a purpose to business. Um, and, and there is no trade-off, really. You don't have to trade off purpose and profit. You can be very profitable and very purposeful and be very purposeful and yet be commercially sustainable and scalable at the same time. So that's kind of very fundamental to our thought process around sure. Havana. When I started Havana, I, the, my idea was to take technology and innovation, of which there is a lot in India, apply it to large-scale problems, of which, unfortunately, <laughs> there are also a lot in India, and generate this dual return, if you will, both financial return and impact return. And then we found that as we progressed, uh, one of the most defining problems of our time is hmm. climate, climate change and sustainability. And really we think that sustainability is the next digital because what we saw evolve with digitization over the last 25 years, 25 years ago, most enterprises were right. not digitized. Uh, very few companies other than tech companies actually had a CTO. And today, every single element, every single function in an enterprise, enterprise is digitalized, right? So digital is now a horizontal. It's not a thin vertical or a business function. It's right. everywhere. And similarly, businesses are moving towards being sustainable. Uh, it is not just a planetary need of the hour. It's actually also good right. business. Right? So 
whether it's product development, it's R&D, it's sourcing, procurement, supply chain, manufacturing, go-to-market, sustainability, so more efficient use of energy, mm -hmm. for example, going to renewables. More, I mean, we'll run out of oil one day, and there is no denying the impact of uh, hydrocarbons and greenhouse gas emissions and so on. So energy transition, creating food security, so resilience in agriculture, which is very important for livelihood as well as food security. You know, you have soaring temperatures and food shortages. We are seeing unseasonable floods. We are seeing, and always it is the poor who are the worst True. impacted. And in our country, if I were to say India as a representative of the global south, we have one of the most vulnerable economies, societies, and populations mm -hmm. to climate. So it was clear to us at Havana that the next big defining problem for the next 20 years, maybe more, is going to be climate action. Big investment opportunity also, consequently. Uh, large corporates need solutions. Those solutions will come from the startup and innovation ecosystem. We started seeing some phenomenal founders actually starting to build businesses in this space. And we said, hey, that's the next mega trend. And being the next mega trend, that's where we want to be. <laughs> and that's where you are, I would believe. I think... And it's kind of brought everything full True. circle. Right? I started with science and technology and space, <laughs> then went into finance and consulting and so on, worked a lot with people and governance. And now back to bringing it all Wonderful. together into climate technology. Yeah, and I like what you said, Anjali, about your Janma Bhumi being your Karma Bhumi. And I think the difference that you're making is not, uh, you know, not just your responsibility or your portfolio's responsibility, but as corporates, all of us have a social responsibility to ensure that uh, you know, we are contributing in this space. Anjali, we've heard so much about your career, your professional journey, you know, from an ISRO uh, intern to where you are today, so inspiring. But tell us a little bit about how your personal journey has been, you know, in this space, both about how you've managed to, uh, you know, I won't say work-life balance, but really integrate work, work and life together. Um, and also how you think you've evolved as a person, you know, philosophically, spiritually, um, what has, what have all these experiences, you know, how do, how have they reflected in the way you've been with people, been with yourself? And um, I think just to understand those small tips would really help us. So I must start first with immense yeah. gratitude. What One of the choices you don't make mm -hmm. in life is who you are born to. So being born to parents in a family that is extremely, extremely fostering and again, very gender blind. So I was blessed to have a family and parents where uh, not only was there no discrimination, I mean, this is beyond mm. thought that there would be any discrimination, but there was enormous <laughs> expectation that if mm. you had talent and uh, so I learned the value of education and work ethic really from my, my mm. parents uh, and their absolute expectation that, of course, you must do something useful for society. So that was so not a choice. And coming from there, so I start with immense gratitude first, there itself, then school, teachers, uh, college, your friends. And I'll come to this, I'll come back to this. Who you choose to have around you is a very important thing, mm. in my view. That's one of the, my learnings in life. Going on to having an amazing, supportive, fostering spouse, I think there's a Bette Midler song, right? The Wind Beneath My Wings. That's that really true. the case. Yeah. So again, gratitude, appreciation there. Uh, I have two wonderful children who have made, I think, parenting much easier. They're both at college now and I miss them desperately. I, I actually miss the conversations because I think as children grow, they become real people and they have opinions and uh, you have very interesting conversations. 
and continuous yeah. learning uh, with them and their friends. Um, so as I went through life, I think collecting the right people around you who are some by choice, some by luck. And, uh, and having a set of folks who are more mm-hmm. can do. You will always have naysayers who say, oh, it's so hard. How can, how can you do this? Oh, you can't do that. And you can't, you should not or cannot because A, you have children, B, you're a woman, all of that. And uh, I think those mm-hmm. folks are there. But at the same time, there are many more people, if you allow yourself to find, find them, who will tell you, of course you yeah. can. And we'll help you. Or maybe you don't need help. But of course you can. So editing hmm. in the positive spirits. Um, and then continuing on with, with sort of, again, I quote my father, and he, there's a saying in the Gita, right? So you, you do what you have to do, and the outcome will be fine as long as your input is good. So doing it with the right intent, with authenticity, having good people around you, being purposeful. And always, always, for me, a good day is when I have hmm. learned something, I have given back something, um, and hopefully made a positive difference to someone. Such a beautiful message, Anjali. I think uh, what I take away from this is, of course, you need to surround yourself from great folks, with great folks, right, who are, I think we're sort of enforcing, uh, giving you positive enforcement at all times. But I would also like to highlight the aspect of your own nature, which is you're not a naysayer yourself. You know, you're always, I've always uh, seen you look at problems and say, hey, let's see how we can solve for it. And I believe that um, when you start doing that, you start seeing results, which automatically sort of add up to your confidence of, you know, you can solve this, um, you know, and you, you, you begin to start taking bigger and better challenges and I think confidence definitely sort of begets confidence. In a couple of conversations in the past with I've had with other esteemed speakers like you, I think one thing that really came out was um, women, especially, you know, those who've probably been working for several years way into their 40s and 50s, they start struggling with some self-confidence issues during this age group. And we speak to, we've got around 60,000 women as we speak today who are a part of our elder family. And a number of these women have dropped off their careers or have had issues, you know, personally in relationships with their parents-in-laws, children, uh, primarily teenage kids and so on. And I think the biggest challenge here would be how are we able to encourage these women, right? How do we get them to become these naysayers, uh, actually rather non-naysayers? And um, um, how do we really uh, sort of inculcate that confidence in them? So any, any thoughts on that? Um, you've spoken about surrounding yourself with such great people, but not everyone is fortunate enough to do that. So any ideas that you would like to share um, as to increasing people's confidence? Sure. Um, I think staying, two, two or three things come to mind right away. One is confidence comes from a belief that I can. And yes, it does take a little bit more effort, and we all know that. That when you have, uh, if you're, if you're, and then there are phases in life, I suppose, and situations when you don't have positivity around you, and in those cases, it takes even more energy and even more sort of personal spirit and grit to some extent to stay on top of things. And on top of things doesn't mean doing everything right. perfectly. I think women, I I wish women would 
not put so much pressure on themselves and say, hey, I have to be like perfect in everything I do. Right? Nobody is perfect in everything they do. So you do not have to seek to be perfect in everything. It's okay to get help. And it is okay, consequently, also to build a team at home, just like you build a team at work. So not necessarily putting that kind of pressure and saying, but staying on top of being current with your skills, building value in yourself as a person. If you're in the workforce and you want to have a career, then as a worker, as an employee, as an entrepreneur, whatever the case might be, but continuing to learn, never stopping to learn. I see sometimes women who step off, if you will, the mm. career ladder, the confidence goes away when they try and come that's back. So true. But that's okay. My advice to them would be, listen, it's not easy. I'm sure it was not an easy decision to step off the career ladder. It's a very hard decision to come back also. Right. Uh, everyone's situations, everyone's circumstances right. are different. At that time, invest in yourself. We invest so much in our families, in our friends, in even social, other social obligations. So invest in yourself. Take time to maybe do a, a course. And today in today's digital world, it's so much easier to continue your education, either in a new field or just sort of uh, uh, upgrading and uh, refreshing your skills so that you are work ready. And there is something of value that you can offer when you're going back to work. If there are women who have stayed on the career ladder and are dealing with everything happening all at once, and in our society, yes, the, if you will, the responsibility or the burden of childcare, elder care does disproportionately fall on women. Again, they're having those sometimes not easy conversations, but figuring out the balance mm -hmm. at home, uh, talking through and negotiating, and I'm using negotiating in a, in a very technical <laughs> sense, much like we exercise influencing and negotiating skills at work, exercise those skills at home. Make the children, the spouse, the in-laws, whoever, maybe your neighbors even part of your success journey. Yeah. And take help. There is absolutely no ego about taking help. So have the humility. So first have the courage to keep being refreshed on your skills. So there is value that you can add. Then the humility to say, hey, I can't do it all on my own. By the way, nobody can do it all on their own. Not men, not women. So build that support system. And sometimes, yeah, it is harder uh, for some women, unfortunately, than for others. Uh, some circumstances and phases in life are harder than others. Uh, so stay the course. Believe in yourself and everyone else will also. Wonderful. Thank you, Anjali. Thank you so much. Now we'll move on. Yeah, please. And, and if please. I may add, I think sometimes children are the proudest of their Achieving moms, <laughs> and after all the guilt that all young mothers, and just this morning I was speaking to uh, a phenomenal young woman with a young child. She was saying, I'm feeling so torn. Should I travel? Mm. Because, you know, it's my son's birthday. And will he? I said, You know what? 10 years later, he will not remember you weren't there. He will just see what you've achieved and he'll be so proud of you. No, Anjali, thank you for saying that. I think um, I have gone through these sort of, you know, dilemmas so many times. And I remember another very dear mentor of mine had told me that Swati, prioritize every moment. So today, if my child is unwell, he becomes my priority, right? I mean, tomorrow if I have a board meeting and everything's fine at home, I think, you know, the board meeting becomes a priority. So one tip that I learned from you and uh, several other, you know, inspiring women like you is I think we have to prioritize every minute and every second. 
And um, the two things that you spoke about, one is self-confidence, of course, and also the humility or the courage and the humility. I think I take these two things together and say, this is probably the secret of success in most cases, men and women alike. Uh, we can't do it all and we definitely need to have that balance of what we can versus what we can ask others. Anjali, um, you know, Elda has focused on menopause. Thanks to you and everybody else's support, we've you know been able to make a huge impact in the country in terms of educating as well as empowering women's health you know, across uh, perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause. Now, one thing that's uh, pretty evident to us in the last few years of our journey is that there are a lot of taboos and myths associated with this phase. Women, um, you know, always want to be seen. And uh, uh, I think we also try to reflect that all's well. There are no concerns. Um, you know, menopause is kuch nahi hai. So um, what do you think um, should people do to break these taboos? you know, and really um, empower the midlife woman or the woman in her 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond to really shine, like you said, you know, whether whether it's at home, whether it's at work, but completely sort of doing the best she can at that stage. Any any thoughts on that? Well, start first with being kind to yourself. So be kind to yourself. I think generally, um, unlike most other situations and health, if you will, uh, this is this is not an event. It is a period. It is a process. It can be one year for some people. It can be 15 years for other people. Um, and so consequently, recognize, be kind to yourself. And as I said earlier, uh, in some ways, mm. take help. Build that community as you go through it. And I have seen situations where it's very acute yeah. for some women. And they have a multitude of issues and nobody really understands it. Uh, but guess what? Half the world <laughs> is female. So assuming that there is a there's a right bell curve distribution of women going through menopause, I'm sure there is a community out there for everybody. So discovering that community, and I think Elda is doing human service in that space by creating a community, uh, a safe space where women can come and express themselves and find help, both medical, clinical, guidance right. and help as well as just community of peers right and we also do a lot of corporate events what we've realized is that you don't just need support at home but you also need that support you know at uh, your workplace so um, i think mm -hmm. uh, seeking help not just at your home but even going outside and the organizations and leaders like you basically talking about it more openly really helps so anjali we've come to the last segment of our podcast which is the rapid fire round. So I'm going to ask you some very interesting questions and I would like to hear the first answer that sort of strikes your mind. Uh, Whoops. <laughs> so the first mm. thing again is on menopause, as expected. Um, if menopause was a character in a movie or in a person, then what would that be for you? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a, that's a, uh, a hedgehog. <laughs> Maybe it's not a character, but it can be prickly and it can be really sweet too. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> I'm going to remember this. I might even have some, you know, awareness content that talks about it. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. Um, one, one word that describes Anjali Bansal, just one word. Real. I, I, I couldn't agree more with this. <laughs> As real as it could get. Excellent. Um, three words of advice for women. 
believe in yourself. Nice. And Anjali, if there were five things that you would say one needs to live a fulfilling life, what would those five things be? Integrity. Authenticity. Humility. Gratitude. And yeah, can I make it six? <laughs> Courage. And love. Wow, beautiful. Love. Love, I think, is so important. Self-love as well as love for others. Anjali, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. I would really like to say that for the last few years, I have looked up to you, not just as a woman leader, but as someone who, like you mentioned, you know, speaks her, speaks her heart out. You're absolutely real. I think there's nothing about you that, you know, that, can't, that one can't connect with. So um, thank you for being the real you. And thank you so much for being a part of this conversation and inspiring so many other women, you know, um, midlife and outside, men and women. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. And Swati, thank you so much for having me uh, on the Elda journey with you on this segment, the opportunity to share, and hopefully through this, by sharing being of service. 